Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I want to give a title to this message before I do anything else because it's going to leave you questioning. What's he talking about? And here's the title. And really, I think this is the crowd, right? That you're, you're hungry. This is, this is different. You're hungry for something different. Like, hopefully you're not hangry. Hopefully you're hungry. Hopefully you're, you have a full stomach. But here's the title tonight, and that is, I'm calling this a 45-year fire. That's a lot of Fs. A 45-year fire. And, and I'm getting it from the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, hopefully this is the group that you came prepared with your, your Bible. We're going to jump around a little bit. But I love this book. It's one of my favorite books. It's the book of action. It's a book of, of warfare. you got to love the spirit and the heart of a man like, like Joshua. And this book records the period in history where the Israelites finally get to cross over into the promised land, into Cana, right? And because for 400 years, uh, the Israelites were living under a promise that at one point they were going to be able to occupy their own space. They're going to have their own territory that, that God had made a promise to them. That he was their chosen people, right? A, a, a nation set apart, and they were going to have their own land. And now it's time. That's what the book of Joshua is. It's like, it's our time. We got to go. Our place is prepared for us. And so that's what they do in Joshua. Joshua leads them across the Jordan River. And the book of Joshua is chapter after chapter after chapter of battle after battle a defeat here or there, mostly victory after victory after victory, and they're just going for it. I love it. And God's moving, and God's blessing them, and God's hand is all on them, right? Because how many of you know if it's God's plan and God's will, it will prevail? And for some of you, that's what you need to know tonight, that if it's God's plan for something to happen in your life, it's going to happen. And so God's moving them, he's blessing them, they're taking ground, they're taking territory like crazy, and then we get to chapter 12. And chapter 12 is like halftime. And it's literally like halftime because there are 24 books, uh, or 24 chapters in the book of, of Joshua, and it's kind of like they're running back in from the game, and they're, they're going into the locker room. They might be a little bit banged up, they might be a little bruised. They might have had a, a tough first half, and maybe that's the way some of you are feeling perhaps tonight, a little banged up, a little bruised on your way in here, and Joshua gives them a pep talk. In fact, in, in my Bible, uh, I like to read out of the, the New Living Translation a lot or the NIV, and I always say, you know, just the best, you know, version of the Bible is the one you will read consistently. Like, just, it doesn't matter, just read it, you know? Um, but in, in chapter 12, one of my headings says this, it's called Kings Defeated West of the Jordan. Uh, there's also the Kings Defeated East of the Jordan, but that was during the time when Moses was leading the charge. And so now it's Joshua, and it says Kings Defeated West of the Jordan. And this is a great chapter, chapter 12. It's a chapter on leadership. It's a, it's a chapter where Joshua's pumping them up saying, hey, look, look what we've been able to accomplish Look at all the kings that we've been able to defeat. Look how God has been faithful. I wonder how many of you tonight, maybe you're a little bruised and a little beat up, but you can look back over your life and say, look how good God has been. God has been faithful. God has been good. Man, this is what tonight's for, to take a step back and just be reminded how good God has been. And I'm not insinuating that life is perfect. Like nobody's life is perfect. Hey, but it's okay. 
right? That you're going to come out of this dip that perhaps you are in because God's been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. And that's what chapter 12 is all about, right? Chapter 12 is not just the, the chapter after filing for bankruptcy, That's a terrible attempt at a, a, a nerd accountant joke right there. That was from my wife. And I love chapter 12 because it lists all these kings. If you're there looking at it, it talks about the king of Jericho defeated, the king of Ai, the king of Jerusalem. If you see that in your Bible, I mean, it goes one by one down through all these kings. At the end of the chapter, it says 31 kings in all. I wonder if you can stop and think about your life. And think about the victories that you've had. Think about the, the kings that you've been able to overcome and defeat, right? If you stopped and think about, about maybe God's brought you out of, out of anxiety or fear or you've overcome abuse or poverty or addiction in your life, you just should never forget the things that God has brought you out of. Because you know what that's called? That's called your testimony. And you should share your testimony. How about we go old school uh, for a little bit? People used to say, uh, you go through a test right? And you get through it with the faithfulness of God, and that ends up becoming your testimony. That becomes your story. And you need to tell your story. Like if God's brought you through something and he's been faithful in your life, you need to share your story because what that's going to do is encourage someone else. Someone's going to get fired up and say, God did that for you? Well, you mean God really did that for you? Then he must be able to do it for me. So never shy away from the story that God's writing over your life. Are you with me? Never be ashamed of the story that God has been writing in your life because it will be to the benefit of, of someone else. But so you gotta share that testimony in your, in your life. Um, and for some of you that would say, well, you know what, I'm, I don't have that yet. In fact, right, I'm in the middle of it. I would just tell you that sharing your story from the middle could be the most powerful testimony of all being real, being authentic with where you are right now in this season could be the most powerful of all. And that, that's chapter uh, 12 and then chapter 13 and 14. It's all right, back out onto the field. Enough sitting down, enough hanging out. That's a long enough water break, right? You know, we can't sit in the locker room for the rest of the game. Let's get back out. Look what it says in Joshua 13, verse one. It says, when Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, you are growing old. Why you got to be like that, God? <laughs> he said it twice. He's an old man. You're, you're growing old. But notice these three words right here. He says, and much land remains. Say that with me. Much land remains to be conquered. It's as if they, they uh, after the halftime locker room speech, God's like, hey, Joshua, quick, quick, quick. You're, you're getting old. But I'm not done with you. Like you're getting old, right? You know, you, your time is, is running out. It's getting short. But the story that I want to write through you is not over. It's still being written. And I think that that's what God's word is for you tonight. That God is still doing things in your life that he still wants to bring you through some areas. He still wants to bring you through some seasons. He still wants to bring you through some hurts in your past that much land remains for you still. That much land remains to be conquered in your own life. There's more to do. Again, I know you're tired. I know that some of you feel depleted. You feel de defeated. 
Some of you are exhausted trying to deal with, with school and with family and what do we do? And this, this other thing came and hit you out of, out of nowhere. You feel discouraged. You can feel all alone and neglected. But as believers in this, this world, there is still so much more left to do. Much land remains. Much land remains to be conquered. I would say if there wasn't, Jesus would come back right now and take us all to heaven. But that's not the case. Much land remains. We have survived some stuff in the last six, seven months. Amen? We've survived some stuff. We can celebrate some of the differences that we've made. We can celebrate the way God has removed some of the non-essentials from our life and allowed us to focus on him. However, God did not bring us this far because he's finished. He brought us this far because much land remains. There's much work that needs to be, be done. There's more to do. How many of you know there's more people to reach in our city? There's more people who, if they died tonight, would spend eternity away from God because they've never crossed the line of faith, never received Jesus as their Lord. Much land remains, right? There's more to do. There's more people that need to hear a message of hope and good news and of forgiveness and salvation. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Like, we need that. And so in Joshua 13, they get back out onto the field. They get ready again for battle. And in Joshua 14, we get reintroduced to a guy by the name of Caleb. Everybody say Caleb. If you remember, the first time we meet Caleb is in Numbers 13. And I'm not going to give you the whole story, but I encourage you to go back and read uh, Numbers 13 and 14. But Caleb, um, when we first meet him, here's the Cliff Notes version. This is 45 years before what we're reading right now in Joshua 14. So keep that in mind. 45 years. Moses was leading the people of God in this season, and they were getting ready to cross into the promised land. They were getting ready to do what Joshua has already done, right? And Moses said, all right, here we are. We're going to send out some spies. We're going to send them in. They're going to scope things out. And Joshua and Caleb were one of those spies. Caleb was one of the leaders of the 12 tribes. He was, in fact, in fact the leader of the tribe of, of Judah, and so he says, we're going to gather these 12 spies, and we're going to send them out to check the, check the land. So Joshua, Caleb, and these other 10 leaders of these tribes. And Moses gathers them up, and he says, go in there, check it out, see what we have to do. You know, tell us what you think, and come back and give a report. So this was a, a reconnaissance mission, right? This was a, a, a covert operation to ascertain the, the strategic kind of features of the land so that they could best figure out how to come in and take over the land. So they set out for this, this spy mission. And this had to be a big deal, by the way. This had to be like a huge moment because they've been waiting literally forever to get to that place where now it's time to go into the promised land. So you got to imagine all the wives were there. They were gathered around. Boo-boo, I'm going to miss you. Good luck, you know. All the kids were there. You know, waving, you know, good luck, Dad. Go get him, you know. Make sure you don't get killed, probably, some of that stuff. And so they're all excited in this, this moment. Forty days later, they come back. They return. And when they get back, the Bible tells us everyone gathers up, which is really hard to believe because uh, estimates say that there were about three million people in the nation of Israel at that point. That's what it, so about three million people. And the Bible says everybody gathered in the community. They were so excited. They were waiting to hear the report. 
Is it really time? Is it good? Is it everything that God promised? If you can imagine, it might be like, uh, let's say you work with a Bob. Does anybody work with a Bob? You work with a Bob? Okay. Well, let's say Bob goes out on a scouting trip because your company is going to take over another company. And so Bob goes out to kind of get the information and see what it's all about. And so Bob comes back and everybody huddles in the conference room. And whenever I think of that, everybody getting together in the th conference room, I think of Michael Scott in the office, right? Conference room, five minutes, right? That's what I think of. And so it was kind of like that, right? They want to hear what Bob found. They want to hear what Bob learned. Is it a good company? Should we do this takeover? So it was kind of like that. Probably not a lot like that, but it's kind of like that, just a little bit. But there's this atmosphere of anticipation. Is this going to work? Is it really our time? Like, tell us about the land. So everybody's there. They're gathered all around. Moses is there. You know, he's awaiting the report. And they start by saying this, guys, it's good. It's good. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's better than we could have imagined. Like, it's incredible. Like, you should see it's flowing with milk and honey, just like God said. Like, you should see the fruit. They brought back some fruit. Like, look at these, the size of these grapes, right? They're, they're showing them all this stuff. And then someone says, but. Everybody say, but. But there are giants there. That's what somebody said. And grumbling started. And they continued to say, they're not, not only giants, but there are fortified cities. There are armies. There are people that are too powerful for us. And in that moment, they start, the Bible says, they spread a bad report. And so these mumblings and these grumblings start going throughout the, the nation of Israel. How many of you know fear is contagious? It's contagious, right? Like, have you ever looked at somebody um, that wasn't afraid, but you were afraid, and then they became afraid because you were afraid? Like, they weren't afraid until you went like, ah, right? And then all of a sudden, now they're afraid. Like, whoa, whoa, what? I do this to my wife because she's terrified of bees. And if, yeah, you're just like, whoa, hey, hey. And then she freaks out. But that's kind of what was going on. This, this fear is contagious. And now it's spreading throughout the, the entire nation. But then Caleb, Caleb, there's our guy, stands up and says, wait a second. Numbers 13, 30. 30. Caleb tries to silence the people before Moses and says, let's go. Somebody say, let's go. let's go. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, for we can certainly conquer it. He's the only one. Because by this time, fear had rooted in the, the hearts of the people of Israel. And that fear that was so powerful and palpable in their, their lives in that moment, they completely shut Caleb down. And he was the only one who had, had faith. Actually, it was him and Joshua. Right, that had faith. And everyone decided, like, don't miss this, everyone in this moment decided we can't do it. I wonder if you've said that in this season. I can't do it anymore. Can't do this school garbage. If you're a teacher, you're doing an amazing job, by the way. And I'm serious about that. If you are a, a parent that is now having to teach, you are doing an amazing job, by the way. But I know we've said that, right? I can't do it. And that's what they said. We can't do it. And 10, 
fear-filled men negatively impacted three million. Ten men and an entire generation of people were impacted by this bad report. And after that, it got nasty. Like, it got really nasty. They wanted a new leader. They wanted to overthrow Moses. They were talking about, let's go back to Egypt because they would have rather gone back there. And in fact, they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. And then in Numbers 14, 10, I don't know if it's up here, but it says this, the glorious presence of the Lord fell on the tabernacle as if God said, enough. Enough grumbling. I cannot believe after I've taken you through the wilderness, I cannot believe after I've, I've fed you with manna, after I've, I've given you water, after I covered you with a cloud during the day and fire at night, I cannot believe, right, that you would not trust me enough. That's what he says. And in that moment, God shut the whole thing down, all the grumbling, and he pronounced judgment on the nation of Israel. And he said, no one in this whole generation, this wicked generation, will be allowed to go into the promised land because you don't trust me. Because you don't believe me after all that you've seen. His only exception was Caleb and Joshua. The only two. And the Lord said this in Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, he can go because he has a, say it with me, different spirit. I love that. He has a different spirit. And he follows me wholeheartedly. And I will bring him into the land. A different spirit. Spirit. How many of you know this is what we need right now in 2020? We need a different spirit. You and I, people of God, we need to be people of a different spirit. We need to be people that will follow God wholeheartedly. A different spirit. What, is that, what does that even, even look like? Well, I think through Caleb, uh, we can see three things. And the first is this. He had a faithful spirit. Somebody say faithful. faithful. One of the greatest things that we can say about this man is that he was loyal, that he followed God wholeheartedly. That's what the Bible tells us. And that he was faithful to God and faithful to what God had called him to do. I got to read this from Joshua 14. If you flip back over, this is the, the Caleb story. In verse 6, it says this. Now, the people of Judah... So this is after this whole debacle. This is after Joshua has gone in, right? They've overthrown all these kings. They've defeated 31 kings. Halftime is over. They're back out onto the field. Joshua 14, 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua. Remember, Judah is the tribe that Caleb was the leader of. Approached Joshua at Gilgamesh. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, I guess, the Kenizzite, that looks good, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back, listen to this, I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Caleb was a man of conviction. Caleb was, was a man of, of principle. Caleb was a man of, of faith, verse 8, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. 
I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. He's had this fire for 45 years. Years And at this moment, we're starting to see this fire kind of come out. 45 years since that time, he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today. Check it out. 85 years old. Come on, somebody. 85 years old. And he says, I am as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous today to go out into battle now as I was then, you got to love this guy, right? 85, he's saying, let me at him. Verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard, I love this, then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But, this 85-year-old man says, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as I said. Caleb, come on, 85 years old and he's ready for a fight. He's looking for a fight. He's faithful. Everybody say faithful. He's got this 45-year fire that's been burning inside of him, and he's saying, let me at him. I think one of the things we desperately need right now is a faithful spirit, faithful to the Lord, faithful to his word, faithful to the the precepts that he has has given us, faithful to our, our commitments, faithful to the house of God faithful to to serving, faithful to our our calling, faithful to the commitments that we have. Can I tell you something? One of the most heartbreaking things, I think, in this season, and really, uh, if I'm being very honest, one of the most maddening things that I've seen in this season is watching the enemy shake people's faith. People that I never would have thought. Barna did a study. And they said that, um, I don't know if, I don't know, even know if a lot of you even come to Elevate Church. And it, that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. Barna did a study that said 35% of the people that left the church in this season, like that were regular attenders, they're not coming back. 35%. And it might not be their, their faith was shaken, but for many of them, it was. It was shaken like it never has been before. It's been tested. People that I never thought would, would, would be scared and hiding are, are running. And for many different reasons, this is not a political thing. This is not a, a mask or no mask thing. Please don't hear that. This is what we say. Hey, you do you. We love you. We honor you with or without. It really doesn't for us matter. We want to honor everyone. This is not that. This is people who are just filled with fear who are shaking. I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor of a great church uh, in Memphis just this week, and he said in the 35 years he's been doing ministry, he's never seen more fear in the church than he's seen in this season. More fear in the, the church. We've never seen a, a shaking like this. People throwing off godly conviction. People uh, breaking covenant relationships. Shaking in their marriages. Shaking in their their homes, people living in fear. We need a faithful 
spirit. And Jesus predicted this, by the way. When he was talking about the end in Matthew 24, 12, he said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but, thank God there's a but, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm, the one who is faithful. We need a faithful spirit. Here's the second thing we need, a forgiving spirit. Gosh. We need a forgiving spirit. How many of you know Caleb had some things he had to forgive? Like, probably starting with those busters that he, you know, spied on the promised land with, that were his boys, that he spent 40 days with, you know, kind of hiding out, checking things out. They come back and say, no, we can't do it. Like, like he had to forgive them. Or what about the people that wanted to stone him? And Joshua Right, he had, to, he had some stuff that he had to forgive. Why do you say that, Colby? Because let me ask you this. Do you think there's any way that 45 years later, he could tell Joshua, I'm as strong as I've ever been. I'm as vigorous as I have ever been. I am ready to fight if he had not learned how to lay down an offense. You think he would be able to say that? No, he would have been bitter. He would have been angry. Like, we need to have a spirit of, of forgiveness, a spirit to, to forgive. I, I look around sometimes and I'm like, in the church and outside of the church, dealing with people and politics and division and racism, I'm like, where is the mercy? Where's the forgiveness? Like, where's the love? Aren't we supposed to be people of love? Isn't it by our kindness that they will know that we are Christians? Where's the kindness? Anybody else? Like, really? You look around, there's not a lot of that going on. We are the church. Like we are Jesus people. Where's the forgiveness? Where's the look past one another's faults? Where's the carry each other's burdens? What happened to that? Where, where is it? Because it seems like it's missing. And I think just because times are tough and things are tense does not give us an excuse to be jerks. Could tweet that. I don't even know if anybody does the tweeting. I just feel like it's missing. It's missing in a big way. Ephesians 4 1 through 6, Paul says this as a prisoner of the Lord, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you are. You're a believer, you're a follower of Christ. He says, then I urge you to live this way, a life worthy of that title. If you're going to call yourself a follower, if you're going to get baptized and go public of your faith, public with your faith, you better live a life worthy of that title. Live a life worthy of the, the title, of the calling that you have received. Verse 2, and here's what it's going to take. Be completely humble. Have a spirit of humility and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love, make every effort. Somebody say every effort. Actually, I didn't even say effort. I said effort. Every effort to keep the unity of the capital S spirit. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. The, the spirit through the bond of peace. Church, we are to make every 
effort to stay unified. And that capital S in spirit, the Holy Spirit, did you know unity is supernatural? You can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't stay unified. You need God's help. You need the help of the Spirit in order to be able to have a spirit of forgiveness. A faithful spirit, a forgiving spirit. And here's the last one. I'll have the band come help me out as we get ready to take communion. A fearless spirit. There's so much fear right now. And Caleb, when he looked at the, the land, and the first time he went when Moses was a leader, he saw opportunity. And he saw potential. This is what he saw. He said, yeah, it's going to take a little work. Yeah, there's going to be some giants that we're going to have to face. Yeah, there's going to be battles, but we can do this. He says, let's go. In fact, we can certainly conquer it. He had a yes, we can spirit, a fearless spirit. And I just want to encourage you tonight. I know we look around the world and it's, it's bad. It's bad. And maybe we're not trying to go into the promise land that's been guarded by fortified cities and giants and powerful people and armies. Our enemy looks like racism and hatred and abuse, division, depression. And we can get so overwhelmed and discouraged about the world we're living in, but here's what you gotta know. Caleb, he wasn't concerned. It's not that he wasn't concerned about what was in front of him. Like he knew what was to come, is that he was filled with faith. Caleb was not blind to the fact that there was gonna be battles. He was burning with a fire inside of him to face any giant and say, I have no fear of you because I fear something greater. I fear the Lord. And some of you just need to be reminded tonight that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So tonight, don't pick up that spirit of fear. Don't pick that up. Instead, what you need to pick up and put on, the Bible says, is the armor of God, the full armor of God. And allow him to cover you and fill you with faith instead of fear. Let's stand to our feet right now. If you feel comfortable, hands up all around this room. God, we just pray right now that you would give us that spirit of faith, that spirit of forgiveness, and that spirit of fearlessness tonight. God, that we would be faith-filled people. God, that we would be people of mercy and compassion, bringing hope to a hopeless world. bringing love to a world of hate. God, help us in Jesus' name be, be people who are worthy of the calling that you've given us. Christ follower, Christian, like Christ. Help us to be worthy of that tonight. And God, help us to be fearless. Yes, we're concerned we're not afraid.
Yes, God, there are battles that we know we're going to have, but we know someone who is greater. Someone who has already had victory and claimed victory once and for all. In fact, you claim that victory for us personally by sending Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for us, giving us victory over a life of, of sin and a life of separation from you. And so, God, we can't say thank you enough for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, the fact that he stood in our plate, place. He was the atonement for our sins. So, God, tonight as we get ready our hearts to, to take communion and remember once again that we are saved. We are set free by the blood of Jesus. That maybe there are those in this room tonight, God, that have never crossed that line of faith. And maybe tonight is the night that God is drawing you to him, saying, you want a new life? You want a fresh start? If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The, the new has come. You can receive a new heart, a new spirit. Receive forgiveness. It's a free gift. Doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, it's yours. You just have to, to believe in your heart that God allowed his son Jesus to pay for your sins so you would not have to pay for them. And the Bible says, confess him as Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. I'm going to tell you a prayer to pray if that's you, but I don't want you to pray it right now. It could be as simple as this, saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I confess you as Lord. Come into my life. Make me new. In just a moment, we're going to sing. And we're going to allow God to move in our hearts and prepare us for communion. And maybe during that time, you want to make that commitment and pray that prayer on your own. So Jesus, right now, as we prepare for this moment, God, we ask that you continue to draw people to you who are far from you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your death on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.